0: En hartelike goeiemorgen, daar kom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en psalm 119, sê, woord is een lamp van my voete en een licht van my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schijn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy mond ek ek kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Radio Buzzing of
1: Life 657 AM
0: a warm-hearted good morning to you. That's where you tune to Radio Buzzing with Life. Scriptural, tot en met 12 hier van marag en waar je ook al is op hierdie draaiende klip, prachtige dag hier in Pretoria, 42 Jacobestraat Park in Pretoria and the program Scriptural until 12 o'clock this afternoon. Get a paper and a, piece, a pen handy. I'm going to give you a telephone number that you can uh, jot down to take part in Scriptural. Uh, as you een bybelse vraag het, ergens het iemand iets gesê wat nie vir jou sin maak nie en wat jy dalke vraag oor het, and believe in me we've got a couple of questions here this morning that uh, looking at these questions, you think my, I never thought about it that way uh, misschien het jy aan een invalshoek, as jy wil deelneem aan die program, dan stuur jy vir ons whatsapp dit is die enigste manier hoe jy kan deelneem en gaan vir die whatsapp nummer gee maar uh, as jy een skrifgedeelte ook het, wat van toepassing is, of Op jou vraag, betrekkende jou vraag, dan stuur jy vir ons net die skrifgedeelte ook by het, maak het net a bieke hier in die atelier. Before we go any further, to my brother in Christ, uh, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. Rocky, good morning to you and welcome.
1: Good morning, Weynand. So good to be here. And uh, also lovely to see a few questions already coming through.
0: Yeah, we honor the Lord for that. So, uh, if you're looking for a number to take part in this program, you can do so by sending it to Vodacom Network 082. Have you got that? 082, then 657. That's the same frequency on which you're listening to Radio Pulpit 2 right now. 657, then the number 2, and then 729. Let's put it together for your convenience. 082. Two six five seven two. 729 729 As jy nie tyd genoeg gekreid om om neer te skryf nie uh, Moe nie bekommer nie In die loop van die program gaan ons gereeld Die nommer gee so jy kan Deelneem. Ons hanteer ook leefstel Vra en uh, enige iets Wat op jou hart is betrekken In die woord van die here. Can I ask you as you tuned in This morning and thank you so much for your Support and listening to this program We honor the Lord because Through this program it's not About man's opinion but God's opinion. Therefore, pray for us as we have prayed for you before coming into the studio. We have asked the Lord to open our spiritual eyes and ears. And as you listen to this program this morning, pray for us that we stay true to God's word, that what we share is the oracles, the word of God. John seventeen, seventeen says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth And we pray that uh, God sanctifies us through his word This morning and as you listen Please keep us in your prayers As you listen to the uh, questions The Q and A Thank you so much uh, for that uh, Very special remark that you made On WhatsApp, God bless you for that Uh, He says it's a wonderful program Loves listening to it, so thank you uh, for that And uh, stay tuned, send in your questions We're here until 12 o'clock Let's kick off immediately Uh, this one says I have recently seen a few YouTube videos speaking about a third Adam (laughs) makes me think of the Greeks in the Bible however the person says I know Adam was the first uh, Adam and that the Lord Jesus is the second and perfect Adam what is or who is this third Adam and isn't even biblical uh, what an excellent question. Never thought of it myself. Uh, mm. Rocky, is yeah, this yeah, new? The,
1: the, it's, it has been used before, and um, this term, the third Adam, has really been the subject of a lot of theological discussion, and it's often linked with the concept of the Antichrist. And I, under, I can understand that, uh, why it would be termed the third Adam that way, because he comes seeking to Uh, pretend as though he is the Christ and therefore he is the Antichrist and so he comes to try and derail and so people have called him the third Adam while it's not explicitly actually mentioned in the Bible so the the answer really is it's actually not a biblical title for the Antichrist the Bible doesn't use that title but people have used that title to try and uh, kind of Give you some of the concept of this. And so some interpretations actually associate the third Adam with him and they distort the imagination then of that second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in our biblical approach, and that's what we want to call on our listeners towards, is you want to see what the Bible says and you want to go along with what the the scriptures actually highlight to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge then that the Bible doesn't explicitly refer to the Antichrist as the third Adam. Instead, it's so vital to even focus then on the clear teachings of the scriptures. The Bible warns of false teachers, and appearances of deceptive figures. So the Bible tells us that, including the Antichrist, who opposes God's truth. And this can then be seen in passages such as Second Thessalonians uh, 2, verse 3 to 4, which then speaks of the man of lawlessness. That is the Antichrist. So I, I think that um, we want to stay biblical in the terminology that we would use. I can right. understand why yeah. some preachers would use that term, the third Adam. But that's not directly from the Bible, and we must then be be careful when it comes to this kind of a speculative interpretation yeah. Um, yeah. of the Scriptures. And our primary emphasis uh, above all of this must remain on our understanding of the fun- foundational truths of the Scriptures – and the redemptive work that is found in the second Adam. I think we need to be careful to not be distracted with terminology like this that is not actually found within the Bible and can sometimes cause our minds to really wander off into something other than what is the truth found in the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ who brings salvation and restoration to humanity.
0: Rocky, we haven't changed much since biblical days, isn't it? Doesn't the Bible speak about uh, the Greeks who always just wanted to say something new, think on something new, be different than the rest of the crowd? And we should say to one another that God's word is suffice. not so. Yes, indeed. Right, there you have it, then again, Acts uh, the, Act seventeen eleven it says, Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. So, daar is ook een op jou, as jy luister na die program, uh, om die skrifte samen met ons te i promised I'll give the WhatsApp number quite uh, often, during the course of this program, here it is once again, 082, Vodacom Network, six five seven two. Seven two nine oh eight two six five seven two seven two nine. 2729. That's the number where you send your questions into. Right, Are you ready for the Ephesians 6-1 there, Rocky? Happy mm-hmm. with that? Ek moet net hier moet you Baie dankie. I say good morning, Wijnand and Rocky. I have a friend who asked if there was any particular reason why the spiritual armor, as per Ephesians 6, starts with the belt of truth, being in the middle of the body, and then moves down to the feet before taking about talking about the helmet of salvation. He says, I personally have never considered it, but uh, they usually start uh, at the top of the head, the armor of salvation, and end up at the feet which are equipped to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior. And this way she finds it easier to remember. Then the question, is there any particular reason for this order? Uh, bless your heart. Thank you for a wonderful program.
1: Yeah, what, a, what an interesting question. What we do need to remember is that this is a wonderful analogy that, the, that Paul uses. He actually draws this from the Roman soldier which would have been a common sight for everybody, the armor that a Roman soldier would have, the issue that he would get as far as his belt, his breastplate, his helmet, his, his, uh, his sandals, um, all of this, his shield, his sword, all of this was a, a picture that would have been in the mind of the people when when Paul even spoke about this to the church at Ephesus. They would have known what what this picture looked like. And interestingly enough, the Roman soldier, when getting dressed, would always start with a belt. So he would actually put it keeps the belt... It all up and keep yes. it together. So yeah. he would put the, the belt on first, and that would then hold the other pieces of the armor inside of their place. And so the belt wasn't just actually like we would have belts today when we are in our jeans to keep the jeans up. It actually kept the rest of the armor in its right place. There were fittings for that... to, To get into. So he actually starts with the belt because it was, even from the analogy, the correct place to start. But interestingly enough, in the case of the spiritual armor described there in Ephesians 6, I believe that there is that spiritual reason why the belt is started with. Because if you don't have truth, if you don't start with truth, the rest actually falls All apart. else is
0: chuffed. You know, yeah. you, you're
1: not going to be able to have everything else work out. So significantly, that truth then serves as the foundation of our spiritual lives. Just as that belt served as in the armor and in the clothing as that anchor point for the rest of the armor, truth actually secures our faith. In in a world that's filled with deception and many falsehoods, truth safeguards us against that spiritual vulnerability. And then the breastplate of righteousness follows.
0: Now, Rocky, I want to interrupt you here. My apologies for that. Because interestingly enough, if we follow God's word as we have it in scriptures, he's talking about the belt of truth. And then, according to his writing, then moves down to the feet. And that's yep. not exactly the order that the Bible is talking about. It's talking about the belt, then moving upwards to the breastplate yep. of righteousness, then moving down to the feet. Not yep. so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, this actual passage there in Ephesians 6, verse 10 onward, and maybe it's good for us to read it from verse 11 as well, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore, having God girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of, of the gospel of peace in addition to all having taken up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Also receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times with all prayers and supplication or with petition in the Spirit and to this end being on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And then he says, pray also on my behalf regarding this gospel. So what a marvelous passage. So there you get that that transition as you build through these armors. But Mm. I think an important point that is often missed out, and that is that end piece in verse um, 18 and verse 19, the whole reason that we actually have this armor is for prayer. And that is the real battle, is the battle of prayer. We often would even do this, I think, in Sunday school classes. We'd get the kids to make this armor, they'd cut out pieces of the shield or the, or the sword or the yeah, belt yeah. or the yeah. etc. But the whole reason for this actually is that battle of prayer. And that reminds me, and I'm just thinking of this regarding the greatest battle that ever took place, which was in the garden of Gethsemane with our Lord Jesus Christ. As wow. he went into that garden yeah. and he takes his three disciples with him, those three, James, John, and Peter, yeah, yeah. who had gone with him even into Jairus's house to heal that little girl who had died. He took those three with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. They had seen Jesus like no other disciple had seen Jesus. And yet he takes them into this garden and he says, pray with me for a while. And what happens with them? They fall asleep. They they go to sleep. What did they need? They needed this armor. They needed to be readied with this armor to actually stay awake in prayer. And you just think of the, it's the, powerful. the battle that we have regarding prayer.
0: It's powerful. The parallels you you draw between the the, 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 the armor of God is for the battle of prayer. We Indeed. need to stop there and think on the importance of what you've just said.
1: Yes. And even as you think um, that verse 18 where he says, Praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the Spirit and to this end being on the alert with the perseverance and petition for all the saints. What did Jesus um, actually rebuke his disciples about in that garden? He's saying, you know, well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's something that I I shared this with our men at our last men's prayer meeting at half past five to half past six on a Friday morning. And I was sharing with them that, you know, those disciples hadn't yet received the indwelling Holy Spirit either the pentecost had not yet happened you know yet those men were so devout to the lord jesus yeah, yet yeah. they fell asleep even though yeah, their spirit yeah. was willing their flesh was so weak and we need the helper the holy spirit to guide us in this and then verse 19 paul says as well as on my behalf that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel we ought to be and that's what 1st um, Timothy chapter 2 says we should be praying for all people because Jesus desires that all would be saved it says yeah. that in verse 3 I believe it is of 1st Peter uh, sorry 1st Timothy chapter 2 and we ought to be praying even for gospel ministers in regard right. to the words of their mouth like you've often even encouraged our listeners to pray for us while yeah. we are on air that words be given us, yeah. and that um, that utterance be given, so that people so, may hear the gospel.
0: So make it practical for me. You've said something very profound. Now, the, the the armor is for the battle of prayer. What does that mean at grassroots level? Does it mean before I bow down, before I go into prayer? Uh, I, I know, uh, raising up my kids, I would drop them off at school and say, "Hey, come here. I want to dress you quickly before you and and pray the the you know the, the the, the, the belt of truth around them, breastplate of righteousness, the, all that. Yeah. But th- you said something very profound. How do we make that practical?
1: Yeah, what we must realize is that we are in an absolute full-out war. And you think of this in regard to this Roman soldier. You know, the way that they actually won many of their battles was was very strategic. It was a defensive offensive. They relied on their armor if you actually go and think about it, this was the old means of a tank because they would lock shields in a shield wall. They would have very strong armor, and many times they could conquer hordes of soldiers that would come up against them because of their discipline, because of their uh, file and their rank, and their standing in the shield wall with one another. And it's a defensive offensive, and that's part of the point of a passage like this. Look at the wording. In verse 10 it says, Be strong in the Lord and the might of his strength. Then verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities. Put on, therefore, the full armor of God. Verse 14, stand firm, therefore. So what we're actually called to do is to stand firm, and it's a defensive offensive that the Christian is in. We have a whole world that is set up against The Christian and against Christ we have a devil and all the demons of the devil that are against the Christian and against Christ and we have the flesh as well and therefore even in this you know there's this encouragement towards godly manhood in this passage as well because he's saying stand you're in battle stand firm I do think that making it practical many Christians believe that they're on the beach getting a suntan instead of in a war. And the Christian is in a war in this world. Everything, we are pilgrims on a pilgrim's way. We are ambassadors of Christ, and we are in a war. And much of the terminology in the New Testament is spoken that way, and in particular when it comes to prayer. So when you go through this, we must... Have truth girdiness that that must be that we've got that belt of truth that girds us that then helps us to have the breastplate of righteousness which follows and that guards our hearts. You know the Bible says guard your heart from from it the the flows the rivers of life the the wellspring of life righteousness then shields us around our heart in that sense from any accusations of the enemy remaining um, you know as we stand in Christ remember that he is the accuser of the brethren but that breastplate of righteousness is put on by us it's an active duty even this is very active he says take up the whole armor he says that twice because there's a temptation sometimes to go well you know we can just be lazy we can leave the shield or mm-hmm. we can leave the sword mm-hmm. we can think to ourselves but we're not really in a battle you yeah. need the whole armor as you as you storm in a sense um, the gates of hell on your knees in prayer yeah yeah and then you've got the shield of faith and in particular he says there's flaming darts of the evil one that he shoots from a distance therefore you must keep that that shield up there's a sniper and he's got you in his targets and you've got to have that shield of faith and that faith is that which guards you it's essential to take on those flaming darts the helmet of salvation that's protecting the mind i think many a christian and i was thinking about this this morning you know since Since probably 1920 or 1930, all of a sudden we have all of these different new sicknesses that have been diagnosed. And it's deceptive diagnoses of the uncontrolled mind where we've no longer gone and been alone with Christ and alone with God in prayer. And we've no longer mused on him. We've been amused by so much that's in this world that our minds have gone off onto a tangent. We need that helmet of salvation that guards the mind, that keeps us thinking on Christ that's part of what we see as putting off the old man and then renewing the spirit of the mind and putting on the new man. Yeah, the, yeah. God is 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 reforming our minds day by day as we put on Christ as we eat of Christ as we drink of Christ. And um this is part of the that that helmet and then the mm. sword of the spirit which is the word of God. How much are we uh, actually looking after our um, our time of god's word, I remember speaking with my dad and he was he, he was in the army and he fought in Angola. I believe you served in yes, the army as well yes, did, yeah um, you were part of that generation yeah. where boys became men in the army very much so. and um and they would tell you what about your weapon,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, you you need to be able to put it together in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of nowhere. You need to be take able, to take it apart, clean it, and put it together in the quickest time possible. Your weapon is your wife. They said your weapon. What my dad would say. Your weapon was your wife, the closest thing possible to you, because that's the thing that keeps you alive.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you would go nowhere without it. Nowhere. And you were always ready to yeah. to have it. With you at any moment And and, and that kind of concept I mean I remember reading not long ago Probably three, four years ago About a South African battalion That was out on a peacekeeping mission I think it was in the Congo or Nigeria Somewhere there, DRC and they actually were caught unawares; they were just busy chilling, um, relaxing, not with All their right. weapons on them, and they were ambushed yeah. and It was quite an embarrassment um, mm. to that battalion mm. Mm. and and that it, i think that 's what often happens with many a Christian is yeah, they ambus. are lulled by the by the evil one into thinking that we are at peace time. But actually, we are at war.
0: Because the whole world says peace, 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 peace all around. And the Bible says there is no peace.
1: You need to be ready. Yeah. And so in in, in just a brief conclusion, the order of that spiritual army in Ephesians 6 has great significance. I don't believe it's put there by accident by the Spirit of God. Uh, you must start with that truth, All right. and the rest kind of latches on because of that. But if you don't have that truth, mm. let's say you start without the belt of truth, yeah. um, the rest of the armor is going to be faulty and fall apart when you enter, enter into the so battle. So it
0: makes perfect sense the way that uh, you you get dressed, the order in which you get dressed. Rocky, there's nothing protecting the back. Does that come back to stand firm?
1: Yeah, look, I think, um, I think that even what you've just said there is an interesting thought, and, and just linking that to this defensive-offensive. That which protects your back is the formation that you are in. And that's why the scriptures say in Hebrews that you should not forsake the yeah. assembling together of yourselves with one another. Wow. We, we are in the army of the Lord. Yeah. And the, the devil is like a roaring lion. Yeah. And he seeks. He's prowling around seeking one whom he may devour. All right. The weaker you are is when you are outside of your file and rank when you are not plugged into that body of Christ and underneath the sovereign head of the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: spoke to a brother day before yesterday, and I said Satan's tactic is to isolate men in particular. Uh, so to, to, to strip them of that king, priest, and prophet label that the Bible gives us, uh, any truth in that, because there are men listening to us right now, that's outside of the ranks, that are isolated, that mm. struggles, that are broken, But they're not part of the ranks because Satan has isolated them.
1: Indeed, and I I do think that, um, remember I mentioned that Satan is the great accuser of the flock, and that's not me saying that, that is the scripture saying that. And often at times he will accuse the church of the living God, and some people actually believe him, and they they believe that somehow those other men are far more hypocritical than what they are, and therefore they don't want to be a part of that and many a times people may be part of even sometimes a false church yeah. a church that is not opening the scriptures that is not preaching the word of god that is not submitting themselves to the word of god christians are a always repenting people they they know all about repentance their sin is is always before them And they know the Savior who has saved them from sin, and they continue to walk in his ways, and they preach the gospel. But we have a mighty army um, under Christ, our great captain, and he has told us to march. He has given us those marching orders, and we must listen to his voice. And as we do that, we serve him who has already had victory. He has already conquered the grave. And I just love that thought. You know, the Christian has already died with Christ. What do we have to fear? And if you go and do a study on fear not and do not fear in the Bible, you'll see that that is probably the most repeated phrase in all of the scriptures is do not fear. But yet, what do we find ourselves doing? Mm. We find ourselves fearing, don't we? Yeah. And uh, even our Lord Jesus, the most repeated phrase that Jesus has in all of the Gospels is do not fear. And yet we find ourselves fearing so much. All right. But um, to the Christian, stand in file and rank. Recognize that Christ is your great captain. You remember that lovely song, Onward Christian Soldiers, yeah, Christian marching fight, yeah. as to war. Um, and, and we have our Lord Jesus who goes before us, and we can hold rank. And in mm. that sense, our back is protected. Just have a quick look at
0: uh, at Isaiah 58. My apologies for interrupting you there. Uh, Isaiah 58 and verse 8. Eric Proctor has just remind us that the glory of God... Uh, is protecting our backs as well. He also made mention there of Isaiah 52 and yes, verse amen. 13. Yeah. You agree with that? Yes. It? It's, it's, yes, it's 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 yeah, that written is a in great God's great,
1: word. great reference. Thank you, Eric.
0: Eric, bless your heart, man. Thank you so much. Right, Heike Barak, buy a donkey for that one. Bless your heart. What an interesting question. The order in which we get dressed and what a profound thought. We are getting dressed to fight the battle of prayer. I trust that you've, uh, learned something this morning that you indeed are dressed in the armor of God for the battle of prayer. Dis die telefoonnummer hier in die atelier As jy een vraag het Dan stuur het vir ons door En onthou as daar skrifgedeelte Samen moet het gaan Baie dankie ook daarvoor People like Eric Procter listening to this radio broadcast Doreen, Marieta en vele ander Wat luister na hier die program Op die oomlik Let's move on Let me see if I can see who is the next person That's asked us a question Ek dink as my Marieta, you saw. Rocky, ready for that one? Yes. Uh, let's go for it. All right. She says, please explain. Um, let me just quickly. She says, can you please explain? It's not Marieta. somebody else. I'll get the name in a mo. Please, can you explain to me the scripture that talks about the wheat and the chafe? Uh, growing together. W- w- what does that mean? in die kaf, Growing together, and that uh, God is the one that will separate. I think it speaks about the goats and the sheep. It speaks mm. about uh, something else as well. Uh, Rocky, what do we say with regards to that? Why does God say the wheat and the chaff, the wheat and the chaff, uh, yes. let it grow together? Well, yes. Do we understand that? Scripture? Yeah, let me
1: read it. So it's Matthew 13, verse uh, 24 onward. It says, he presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sows good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And? In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reaper, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. So this is a marvelous passage, and the parables told by our Lord Jesus referring to this parable of the wheat and the tares, and in this parable Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a field where this man sows good seed, representing believers who are the wheat. In his field. However, while everybody is sleeping, this enemy comes in, and and you could imagine the enemy being Satan if you wish. Um, This enemy comes in and he sows weeds or tares, representing those that actually oppose or reject God's truth among the wheat. Both the wheat and the tares grow up. And so you got believers and you have unbelievers. Yeah. And the significance lies in the interpretation that in this world, both genuine believers and those that actually are not aligned with God coexist. The growth together of wheat and tares then signifies this mingling of righteousness and unrighteousness uh, in, in, in individuals in particular within the church even. You right. have this happening, and it reflects the reality that the world is a mixture of good and evil in that sense, believers and unbelievers, and that these distinctions won't be fully separated until that final judgment, and Jesus makes that final judgment. So in this parable, then, the owner of the field advises against pulling up the tears because if you pull them up prematurely, you wonder to yourself, why is the Lord not judging at times? You know, why is there no judgment yet? And He's patient. He wants everybody to come to salvation. If you look at the way that sinners are looked after by the Lord, and the rain falls on the godly and on the ungodly, sunshine and everything. And you everything. think to yourself, but why? You know, this is so wicked. Then you remember, but I used to be so wicked. I was yeah. once one of them. The Lord was merciful to me. He was gracious to me. And the Lord is patient and He's slow to anger and He's abounding in steadfast love. And what He's saying here is that actually He knows that there's a coming time and he knows exactly the difference between the wheat and the tares. For us, as human beings, even sometimes as under shepherds within a congregation, we look out and we think, oh, but the wheat and the tares are the same thing. They look very similar. They sound similar. They sound similar. You know, you've got um, a goat and a sheep, for Mm. example. You know, they bear (laughs) just the same way. But the one's got a tail that's upright and the other's got a tail that covers... um, the the backside yeah and there's a difference but Jesus knows that difference my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me yeah. He knows who the diff- who is a believer and who is not a believer something said this morning I was at a prayer meeting with um, Pastor Will Tate and uh, Edward Kanya. And Pastor Edward was saying, you know who the diffi- most difficult people on earth are to reach? Yeah. He was saying this to his congregation. And his congregation would think, you know, well, maybe there's certain religions that are more difficult to reach yeah. or maybe yeah. atheists. Or so. And he said, no, it's those that pretend to be Christians and think that they're Christians when they're not. That's the most difficult people wow. to reach. And that fits in with this, the tears. You know, there's there's some even amongst Christians That go to church Sunday after Sunday, and they tick in a religious box, but actually are tears and not wheat.
0: as we speak now, each and every one of us sit and think of somebody else as opposing to searching our own hearts. Yeah. Hey, yep. we, we are so quick to think, oh, oh I know some chaff, but God says, aren't you the one yes. that's chaffed?
1: And that's the, the you, you remind me of what the New Testament teaches. It says, go and search yourself. It's yeah. Second better, Corinthians 13, 5. Yes, better to, to think that you are an unbeliever when you are a believer. And to think that you're a believer when you're, you're an, an unbeliever. unbeliever. Wow. You know, and just that mere fact that you actually come before the Lord sometimes with a fear where you go, can it really be that I'm saved? Oh, that man. is a marvelous, marvelous thought. Because when we come before him, you know, you think of somebody like Peter. And I thought of this this morning as well as I was driving, I think, to to the prayer meeting I went to or it was on the way here. Yeah. You, know, you think of Peter who, as, as he's with Andrew, James and John, and they pull in so many fish. Yeah. When Jesus yeah. had told them, "Go out, put the net out on yeah. the right," and there, yeah. Peter falls before the Lord Jesus, and he's like so astute to his own sinfulness. And he he says, was get. actually
0: naked. Yeah, he's like, and he, get
1: away from me, Lord, yeah, because yeah. I'm a sinful man. Oh, you know? man. And Jesus actually says there to him, do not be afraid, because I'll make you a fisher of men. And you just mm-hmm. love the comfort that Jesus even gives to Peter. And that doesn't mean that Peter became a perfect man. I mean, I praise God for a man like Peter. So often he put his foot in his mouth, didn't he? <laughs> you <know>? I mean, <laughs> one <do> moment <laughs> he's like, you are you are the Christ, the son of the living yeah, God. I will and, never and, forsake and, like, you. And Jesus actually just, he says to him, You didn't get this from yourself. This is from my Father in heaven. You know, blessed are you, Peter, that you said this these wonderful words. And then just a few sentences later, Peter's wow. like, No, no, you can't go to Jerusalem and yeah. Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Wow. And later on, I mean, Peter does deny the Lord, even though he says, Everybody else may deny you. I will go to the cross with you, Jesus. But but no, what does he do as the rooster crows he swears oh, and he blasphemes that he doesn't know Jesus terrible. but, but we, sent, we tend to think okay well after Jesus has now restored him Peter do you love me Peter do you love me Peter do you love me and he restores him to that position and Peter preaches that marvelous sermon at Pentecost and 3,000 3, souls come to saving faith yeah. we think to ourselves well obviously Peter now gets it but later on In Acts chapter 10, around that area, there he is again showing partiality. As soon as some Jews come from Jerusalem, he splits himself off from Cornelius and the Gentiles. And Paul has to rebuke him to his face. And again, Peter repents. Praise God for a man like a Peter. Because many of us are just like that, aren't we? Yes. We desperately need yes. the Lord Jesus yes. Christ.
0: Yes, yes, right. Uh, as far as the question is concerned, thank you so much. Priscilla, what uh, the question, the koring kaf baie dankie ook vir uh, no, Maybe, maybe also,
1: sorry, as one more thing, you know, yes. and this is maybe to pastors that are there or those that are in ministry leadership positions, don't concern yourself too much with the chaff worry about the wheat you know keep yeah. on giving giving the the gospel keep on giving the truth know that that Jesus is the one that builds his church and if we have been given any position within the congregation of the Lord, that is an absolute privilege by him. And we to focus our attention on, on feeding the, the sheep that are before us. If there's goats that are there as well, we keep on giving the gospel. That's why Paul said to Timothy that he should constantly do the work of the evangelist yeah. because they need the gospel. And it may be that they come to saving faith as well. I heard a story actually this morning of a dear lady that was for many years at Grace Christian Church unsaved and then she moved to another church with her husband and she got saved um she'd been under the gospel for years and then she goes and she's under the gospel again and only gets saved years later yeah you know i heard another story from spurgeon that came to mind and i know i'm carrying on now but he spoke about um this unbelieving husband in the north of england and his wife was a believer he was a drunkard and he swore that's the way that spurgeon puts it he was a swearer and a drinker yeah. And she was grieved in her heart about him. But she went to the Lord's house week after week faithfully to assemble with the saints. And she took her dog with her every week. And when and then she died. And he, her husband was still an unbeliever. But the dog kept on going to church week after week. And um, and and this man eventually decided to follow the dog, which took him to her seat in the church. He sat in that seat. The dog curled up in its usual space. And the Lord used the preacher that day. And that man came to salvation, weeping uh, before the Lord. Man, I'm and getting so, goose flesh. And, and so Spurgeon says, you know, don't give up on praying because... The Lord might even use a dog after you're dead to bring somebody to <laughs> salvation. So don't worry too much about the tares. Don't worry too much about uh, the goats. Don't you try to do the judgment work of Jesus. And I think that's the, the point of the passage like mm. this, the deeper point. Don't you go and try and pull out the tares and pull out the the, um, the weeds. Yeah. You leave that to the one who is the Lord of the harvest. The Lord Jesus sees and the Lord Jesus knows. And he knows who are his and he knows who are not his. But there is a coming judgment and that is the warning to to the listener yeah. are you found in the lord jesus christ this day have you looked to jesus and are you living because of the lord jesus christ
0: search your own heart second corinthians 13 and the verse 5 oh, i love this program bless your heart lord we serve such a merciful god the god of the second chance yes can i know it jesus more when we come back I think there'll be some more minutes left to uh, tackle your question. Uh, You have heard your name on my lips. I'm not ashamed to proclaim that Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, my Savior, my Redeemer. Mm. Dit is aangeskakeld op Skriftuurlijk, tot om met 12 uur dit is so 16 minuten voor 12 nou, en I'm slowly fading that music, Kiss cry not there, song called Jesus More. Die tijd half ons inzoek wil graag by die vraag uitkom, hierdie luisteraar sê, daar is een denominatie wat gloe dat Jesus... Uh, kom ons lees om net hier, daar is de nominatie wat geloof dat Jezus kom nie op die fysische wolke nie, maar hy kom op een wolk van getuienis uit jou mond, ook dat die hemel and let 's the under fathers and then rocky somebody a similar question on uh, on on website uh, on facebook that came in right now i think it 's Doreen that uh, posted this question uh, let me just get it there and translate it uh, the new translation bible uh, it says Uh, We have taken things out, whole Bible verses, and people who don't believe in the rapture. uh, It is not the true word of God. Why teach our children false truths? Uh, What do we say with regards to that?
1: Yeah, I think that um, we... We do see very clearly in the scriptures the doctrine of the rapture. It's not used in that specific term. The rapture word is not there, just like the word trinity. triunity or trinity is yeah. not there. I think the better word is triunity than trinity, but that's become a personal um, conviction because sometimes people think trinity means three separate, but it's actually three individual persons, yet one in essence tri-unity. Um, triune God. Yeah. Um, and so. We do see that in First Thessalonians chapter 4 as you study through the scriptures, as you look at Second Thessalonians as well, as you look at uh, the book of Revelation, as you look at Daniel's prophecies, as you look at uh, various places within the scriptures. But I do think that these two questions can somewhat be looked at together. And, and, and I guess the best is for us to go and study the Bible ourselves, to go look at it. It is important that we get a good translation of the Bible. Now, um, you know, sometimes you do have... Individuals or a few people that have a very bent uh, way of thinking and they then work on that translation themselves. We do want to get as accurate as we can to the Hebrew and the Greek and the original uh, writings of the scriptures. So it is important, and I think that that's where it's important to be in a congregation that is a Bible teaching and I would say even an expository ministry where the Word of God is preached word for word, line upon line, precept upon precept, that is the best kind of a place to be as far as understanding God's Word because there are different genres within the Scriptures. So it's important to be in a Bible teaching church to to fill your life with that. But, but when you are born again...
0: On what uh, basis... Uh, sorry, Rocky. On what basis would I... Check if it's indeed. Uh, uh, is there certain principles, certain foundational truths that needs to be preached from God's word to know that I'm not deceived here? It is a Bible teaching church that i mean, What am I to look for?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think um, that is an excellent question to, to follow up with this. And maybe we need to start next week with looking at that in particular, because I do think that there are a number of marks, probably a good 10 to 12 marks, of a faithful congregation that we could probably run through and actually see, but um, is this actually a Bible teaching church? All right, you know, and one okay. of them would be that exposition of God's word. Um, but then you also want to have, um, you know, a biblical prayer. You want to see. Uh, biblical scripture reading, you want to see the singing of biblically sound songs, you want to see biblical fellowship amongst one another, you want to see the word of God um, when it comes to the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, you also want to uh, have that meaningful fellowship with one another in the Holy Spirit by God's word and in his truth and so there's a number of ways that we can I think uh, address a question like that and maybe it would be good to spend a good 10-15 minutes next week on something a... like that right. but I think getting back to these two questions it's important for us to go back to god's Word, and when it comes to even Jesus returning on the clouds um there is you know there's a lot of confusion between the rapture. And the second coming of Christ, the rapture is not yet the second coming. It, it would form part of the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus. But there's a seven year period in between, which is the the tribulation years, the seven year tribulation, which the church has been raptured out of because we don't we're not destined for wrath as um, you know, Thessalonians teaches Second Thessalonians. Interestingly enough, was written by Paul because some false teachers had come into the church, basically saying that the rapture had already happened and that they were already in the tribulation. And there's dom- denominations today that are believing the same type of lies as what those false teachers were teaching at Second Thess- in Second Thessalonians. And Paul reiterates, you know, until this has not happened, until the coming of the lawless one has come and the great apostasy has happened, because that great apostasy happens and then the coming of the lawless one only once the rapture has occurred and so um, but it's helpful for us to go back to the scriptures you know there's a denominations that, that that one question said denominations that says that Jesus isn't actually literally coming back on the clouds my answer to that is that Jesus literally fulfilled all of the prophecies literally regarding his first to coming. the T to yeah. the T I mean being born in Bethlehem you know Bethlehem means house of bread he didn't actually get born in a bakery he was born at Bethlehem yeah Um. now he, he, he fulfilled all of that. You go through the book of Matthew. I've been doing that with my son Levi, and we've been um, going through the book of Matthew together. He's six years old, and um, and we stop every time that we see, as the prophet said. So let me challenge the listener. Go read the book of Matthew and highlight in your Bible all the places where you see according to what the prophet said. And then there's a quote of the prophets. Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies regarding his first coming to the T. Mm. Why would he not? Literally fulfill those second coming prophecies and the angels in a, in a literal his,
0: way, and the angels in his ascension says, The same way you see him leave, yes. he will come back yes. the yes. same way.
1: And that's Acts 1 9 to 11, which yeah. you quoted there, where they say this in verse 11, Men of Galilee, why are you standing looking toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you watched him go down. Wow. I mean, that's pretty um, clear. uh, clear. Self-explanatory. Revelation 1, verse 7 to 8, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, Yes, amen. And then Jesus says in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You know, Matthew twenty-four, thirty-five 35 to 40, uh, 42, we see the way that not even a word will pass away, but the heavens and the earth will pass away, but not a word that comes out of the yeah, mouth of the Lord yeah. Jesus.
0: Right. Cross the T's. Dot the I's. Time has caught up with us. Rocky, we had a question here that uh, it's, 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 I just feel stepping onto thin ice. And we live in a day and an age society. So many people are struggling. And it's a simple question. It says, listen, um, uh, can you marry, marry again after divorce? Uh, can you m- marry anyone else if your spouse is still alive? Um, and it's almost like a uh, an Afrikaans, a nootroop. What does the word of God say? No matter what the world is doing, what does yes. the word of God say? Can we answer it in three yes, minutes? Yes, we,
1: we can. Let me give a few passages. Matthew 19, verse 9. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. That's what Jesus says. All right. Okay. Then you have um, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 10 to 11 says, But to the married I give instruction, not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not divorce his wife. So this is God's perfect commandment to us regarding marriage and as we consider those type of verses it's evident that marriage is a sacred commitment god that's god's ideal for marriage while divorce may occur due to specific circumstances like sexual immorality as we looked at before in this passage above remarriage is advised to be so cautionary you know you should rather forgive your husband remarry your husband Don't marry another. We see that in these passages. Now, a couple of other passages that come to mind. Genesis 2 verse 24, where it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You remember that uh, in Malachi, that was part of the issue that God had with the people in Malachi's day. In Malachi 2 verse 16, it says, For I hate divorce. That's God saying this, says Yahweh, the God of Israel. And him who covers his garment with wrong, says Yahweh of hosts. Be careful then to keep your spirit, that you do not deal treacherously. And then Ephesians 5, verse 22 to, th- to 33, I won't read that, we running out of the time, but there, there Paul even shows us that marriage is always meant to be a picture of Christ in the church.
0: So what if i married, uh, got divorced, my husband dumped me, uh, extramarital affairs, he's now dumped me, I'm getting married to somebody else, but maybe at this age, you know, there are no, no, no single men available, and... Uh, I'm married to somebody who, who left his or her spouse. Am I? Uh, am I? Yeah. Am Look, I in I, trouble here? How do I, I fix I, it? I think
1: we do need to be so careful to not step outside of what God's will would be for us. You know, you, you see this in in Mark ten verse five to nine. They came to Jesus and they were actually asking Jesus about these very things, and they wanted to try and trip Jesus up. And this is the way that Jesus answered the Pharisees that were asking him about divorce. He says, "Because of your hardness of heart," he wrote for you this commandment but from the beginning of creation god made them male and female for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So even our Lord Jesus reiterates that creation command. But what he does show is that when there is any of this happening in our world, where there is divorce, where there is sexual immorality, that is because of the hardness of man's heart. That is not God's perfect desire for for us. Um, But we do see that God is very merciful and very just and very kind to us. We even see First Timothy three verse two that um, the qualification for elders as well as for deacons is to be a one woman man. Yeah. It's to be yeah. uh, married once, and we take that we take that very literally. Even at Benoni Bible Church, we believe that a divorced man does not is not allowed the office of deacon or elder. He may be a church member, he may serve in many many ways, but we take God at His word in that way. And so, so I do it, think
0: does it mean he can't be a pastor either?
1: yes um, right. according to god's word all right you know so what happens is that when people do do that it's that they it's because of their hardness of heart it's all not right. because of who god is so i do think it's crucial to guard against reinterpreting scripture even in in light of our cultural norms i was busy looking at um <laughs> I won't mention his name, but he's a very important figure amongst many so-called Christians in our world. And he was addressed by some of those that were part of this congregation in America saying, oh, but he's been too soft on things like, um, you know, um, ulterior marriages and yeah. etc." And and he just said, oh, but we evolve with these things, you know, we evolve and we must evolve, you know, Um, and, and that is nonsense. God's word is final and we must stand upon God's word. We must be steadfast in God's word because his word is unchanging. And as we navigate even these complex cultural landscapes, we must always uphold God's word and his word doesn't compromise. And so I do think we need to be very, very careful not to step out of what God's word is. My advice would be to if you if you have divorced is to. To seek reconciliation, you know, go before the Lord and ask Him to heal you and to heal your marriage. He can, God is a God of miracles, and He can do that. And so, um, so I, I think um, these are complex things, but um, if you have remarried again, somebody else after being married, trust the Lord and go to Him and recognize what the Bible says about these things, and then seek to honor the Lord where you're at. Stay as you are in that regard. First uh, Corinthians 7 is a good passage to go study,
0: Acts. 1711. Now you need to search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Till next time, keep well. God bless you. Shalom.